1: going on everybody welcome to striking gold your 49ers podcast on the blue wire network my name is rob lauder i cover the 49ers for blue wire and joining my joining me tonight is my co-host the man that runs the beast that is niners nation kp kyle posey on the ground
2: at training camp what's going on man first cousin of buster of course I'm Absolutely. doing well, man. It was a uh, Buster Posey. There Got it, it is. He's with it. us. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, it's great, man. It's it's cool. It's I love being able to see football in person. Um, it's been a while. Um, and by a while, I mean not high school athletes. Uh, 49ers, a little bit better than a 4A school in Phoenix, Arizona. So I'm doing well, man. Um, lo- love to see the overreactions. I think one of the most – one of the most fun parts about this is to see the people there and to see what I see, to see what um, reporter A sees, to see what reporter B sees. And just, I think that's actually a good thing where we can all watch the same thing and come up with different opinions. So i um, looking forward to a week full of this, man. How, how's your weekend going?
1: Chill, man. Obviously I'm not, uh, I'm not there with you. Uh, I am just At home, trying to do – I mean, it's my summer break, so I can't really complain. Just trying to do everything I can do to, you know, still participate in the action. But for the most part, you're just kind of – everything secondhand. I mean, I can still be in there for the press conferences or at least watch them and all the player stuff, which has still been plenty of interest. But there's nothing – nothing compares to being able to stand there and watch practice. And the big thing for me, and this kind of goes into what you're just saying, is being able to see things firsthand to make my own analysis of what i think it means what it looked like how great it was you know what i mean like because you got to see firsthand how other people presented the information and whether it was spun worse than it was or way better than it should have been you know all that stuff so that's kind of the part at least this off season that i miss the most is just being able to figure out shit for myself Mm-hmm. you know and you don't get to do that but at least we've got you man um we've got you so obviously the things that everybody the thing that everybody wants to hear right out the gate is and i'll ask you this just from i mean because you were today was your first practice right correct okay so just in your first practice still got quite a few more to go and obviously all of a preseason. Do you think that that there's is or going to be a competition for the starting quarterback?
2: Unquestionably, there's no okay. way you can watch the team practice and not think that. So Jimmy is the starter, and he is so. The best way to determine you know if there are reps is who's working with the center, like who's working with Alex Mack, not who Trey Lance is throwing to because Brandon you because playing with the first, second, and third team. Like, he's running with Nate Sudfield and Josh Rosen, too. So that's not, you know, a good indicator at all. But, um, I mean, just based on Lance's athleticism, his arm strength, where he's throwing the ball, and by that I mean the depth at which he's throwing it, um, the plays that they're drawing up for him. There are clear packages where, you know, inside zone turns into zone read. That's not the case with Jimmy G, obviously. Uh, Zone read turns into an RPO. So, like, they have different parts of their offense that they can add and build off, build off of what they do with Lance, which is a which will be pretty dangerous because, I mean, super athlete, big arm, obviously has to iron out some wrinkles in his game. But uh, to say that there's not a quarterback is really naive. And, again, he, when Shanahan said that, <laughs> Trey Lance hadn't done anything, so of course not. So uh, he knows what he's doing with his words, but there's a quarterback competition.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of what I always assumed was that, you know, as of going into training camp, of course Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter. No one has taken his job yet. Why wouldn't he be? But when you have – the now, if this was just a quarterback that they drafted, I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth round, or an undrafted one like they've had in the past. um, Or, I mean, I guess C.J. Bathard was still a late third when you when a when a coach tells you that's not a quarterback competition you're like okay got it cool moving on yep. but when you say that and it's the third overall pick is the other guy uh it's a little harder to kind of buy into it and you now you're you know people are slowly starting to see why because Trey Lance is just He's Trey Lance, and he's the third overall pick. And there's a lot of things he brings to the table that are going to be tough to ignore. You just know you're going to see that. Whether or not he puts together a solid training camp overall is yet to be seen, but you know no matter what, you're going to see things that make you go, damn, like, okay, this is a little different. But why don't you give us your kind of your overall thoughts and feelings on what you saw today?
2: Yeah, and I'll start with Jimmy because that's where. Um, a lot of the narrative was like he, he did not have a bad practice. He made some poor throws, but I don't think he played poorly at all. Um, he actually I felt like he was outplaying Lance right up until like five, seven minutes before the end of practice. So like he came out, um, he was sharp, he was decisive, he knew where to go with the football. One of his first throws was actually on like a bootleg where Brandon Auk runs a post corner back across the field and Jimmy hits him like on a line 30 yards outside the numbers. And all the complaints are, you know, Jimmy doesn't throw the ball well outside of the numbers. And he did that right out of the jump, right out of the gate. Um, from there, he had a back shoulder corner route to Ross which you don't see often. But he, it was clear that, like, it was evident that he did that on purpose. Um, I thought he had the three best throws during Saturday's practice. But
3: <laughs> there's always
2: a but. Um, so like to be fair, he was he was more aggressive and he did scramble and pull it down when the receivers weren't open because when we can get to that. Uh, there, there, there was about a four minute period there where uh, just nobody was getting open. So the, the defense probably won again. Um, but he was good outside of a few plays that he's always going to want back. So um, there the first one of the first plays in the second team period, Jason Verrett broke up a pass on a curl route from Brandon Ayuk. That was more Verrett being good and not, you know, I'm not sure what Jimmy could have done. Uh, I don't think it was a velocity issue or anything like that. But there were three where you're just like, nope, can't do that. Not at this age. Not (laughs) not with this many many reps in the NFL or just having played in the NFL for this long. So the first one was Trey Sermon was leaking out of the backfield. Uh, Defense brought pressure. So there was a hot. And when that's the case, you are going to have plenty of space. And it was sermon and nobody else. So Jimmy could have just lofted the ball out there, didn't get enough on it, and Aziz Aziz Alshire uh, jumped up, deflected it like it went right through his hand. So it probably should have been a pick, but it like counts as a PBU. Uh, that can't happen. Uh, Is that kind of big- like
1: that that? Interception that Nick Bosa had.
2: It was uh, honestly that's a great way to describe it. So yeah, he just the one one guy caught it and the other guy didn't. Right. The other Nick one. Bosa
1: was, good at football. Everybody.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, shame on Aziz Alshire for not being as good right. as
1: him. I know.
2: So the the other one was a pick six to Fred Warner, and it's something that we've seen time after time after time. Speaking of, it's the same game. Remember the Cleaner, the key clean interception. Um, yep. So he threw it right to him, and this has been an issue. Where uh, I believe he did it against the Cardinals, too, um, where it's just that underneath guy. He throws it right to him, doesn't see him. It was a slant. The linebackers buzzing to the flat. Most of the time you wait for the second window. He throws it in the first window. And Fred Warner, it it was essentially an extended handoff. Like, that's how easy it was.
1: Now, Um, just to ask this. Do you think that play would work cuz obviously you mentioned Keekley who is one of the best linebackers to ever play. Warner's looking like he could be of that same caliber. Is that a play that works against lesser linebackers or it's just a stupid throw in in, in any regard?
2: Yeah, I'm not I'm not willing to give Warner credit here. I think it, it that's just a no-no. You can't yeah. make that throw. So any linebacker is going to go to the flat in that scenario because that's right. his job in cover 3. So yeah, very it was it was a football one on one mistake, which is uh, which can't happen, and it has happened and far too often. So that was uh, that was an issue. So those it was a Jimmy were Jimmy uh, throw. Yep, yep, that's a good way to put it. So um, the the final one was an interception where we all know he doesn't have the strongest arm down the field, and the ball got kind of hung up there. So the, the big issue was just before he even threw the ball. So a shot play drawing up a deep pass for Brenna, you uh, sting route. So he, he's running up. I'm, I'm sure there's other names for it. I call it a sting route. He runs up, fakes like he's going to the corner, runs back to the post. Uh, you have it where you have one-on-one. If you throw it on time and early at worst incomplete at best long catch, maybe touchdown. And then, you know, the best of, you know, some of the worlds, all the worlds, both worlds, it's a PI. So you just have to go, Throw it on time and give your receiver a chance to make a play. Uh, He saw it. He pumped, then hesitated, hesitated. So, like, hitch, hitch, and then tried to throw it again. Was way too late. Does not have the arm strength to be throwing the ball when the receiver is already 20-plus yards down the field. And the ball just kind of hung up there like a punt. Was just, like, woefully underthrown. And Jason Brett makes the play. where He looks like he's catching, um, like he's returning a punt. So, uh that was that was not a good play at all um so it's it's more of the decision making and inconsistency with jimmy and after that he kind of went into a shell um was not nearly as aggressive after that uh didn't really want to throw the ball into tight windows um but again like he had good throws he found trent shurfield on a corner route he's still throwing the ball outside the numbers which i think is important but has to come back to consistency man and uh it wasn't theirs. I think what part of the narrative is the way he finished and the way Trey Lance finished because Lance started the way Jimmy finished, and by that I, he he wasn't he didn't turn the ball over, but he wasn't throwing the ball into tight windows. He wasn't aggressive. Um, it seemed like because on Friday what we heard was Lance was too aggressive, so perhaps it was an overcorrection, um, and he finished seven of twelve. And Sanu, Mohamed Sanu, actually dropped a pass. So if you just go based off that you would think he had a great day, but he had a couple completions where he's throwing the ball behind receivers and they bailed him out. So if we do that for Jimmy, we have to do that for Trey as well. I feel like that's only fair. Uh, there doesn't have to be like that type of bias involved, but as always, <laughs> uh, this guy can run um, or oh, and, and real quick. He, he had another incompletion where it should have been a touchdown. Uh, Richie James beats Ken Webster has a step on him. And, and, James ends up catching the ball, but Lance doesn't leave the ball inbounds. He doesn't give Lance or he doesn't give James a chance to make a play. And I mean, it goes down as an incompletion, but that's like, that's a big no, no to me. Like you can't do that. And we would crush Jimmy for doing that. So uh, I know he's a rookie. I know it's day four, but he, he's been playing football long enough to throw the ball in bounds. Um, and uh, some, a lot of these completions, like he's just throwing RPOs. So it's like pitch and catch in-breaking routes over the middle. Um, I'm not going to give Jimmy a lot of credit for those. So, I, again, at the same time, I'm not going to, you know, crown Trey Lance for hitting these wide-open in-breaking routes where, you know, you're you're sucking up the defense on purpose. But, again, back to the butt, super athlete, man. Uh, when the defense goes, man, there's nobody for Lance, and he's running and there's nobody to guard. Like, there's nobody to stay with him. He's going to outrun everybody on the second level. Uh, it's it's so evident that he's just another speed, and he adds a different dimension because they did they did zone they ran a zone read I think it was four times, and every time just like a chunk play. Where sure he's not you know they can't hit him, but I mean there's just no way that's going to catch him in that scenario. So uh, you have the RPOs stealing, you have the zone read easy pitch and catch, and. That also helps the running backs too, because when he carries out those fake, you know, those fakes, a linebacker is going to stay, and that leaves something for Trey Sermon or Raheem Mostert. So, uh, promising in that sense, and sure he has to get more consistent, but uh, it's pretty evident that there's a quarterback competition.
1: Yeah, it's, it'll be cool to look at. I just don't know. One thing I need to look at is when Jimmy Garoppolo's like the majority of his contract becomes guaranteed for this season might have already been there. I just, I'd have to look at his stuff because let's say that in a world, there's a world where Trey Lance wins the quarterback competition. The 49ers are convinced they want him to start week one. Um, but there's nobody that's willing to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know what I mean? Uh, so what you? do you, what do you do then? Oof. So you don't, I mean,
2: you. T- <laughs> he's worth a lot of money. So, do you just outright release him? Because and we're a long ways away from that, but so people think so with uh Carson Wentz, he's gonna miss at least five weeks, maybe more. People think he, the Colts are gonna come calling for Jimmy G, but Carson Wentz makes like twenty million dollars. So they're not gonna pay Jimmy, knowing that Carson Wentz is on the book on you know, on the hook for that much money this year yeah, and I then don't, he has next year. So I don't think the Colts can afford him anymore. Right. So the, you know, we have to factor that in. And, and teams think that, you know, if there's a quarterback injury to their team, that somebody's going to come to the 49ers and give up a first-round pick. That's not how this works. That's not going to happen. Yeah, the Colts only have uh,
1: $11.2 million in cap space now. I mean, they, they had a lot, but they signed a lot of players. And so now they're down to kind of the middle of the road of the NFL. The 49ers have more cap space than the Colts at this point. So while it would seem – I mean, the way you mentioned Carson Wentz, if they're paying him a shit ton of money, they're not also going to trade a lot to pick up Jimmy G and also pay him a lot of money. So, I don't know, man. I I just don't know how they would handle that situation. Do you keep a $28 million backup that's going to ride the bench unless Trey gets hurt? There's your knock on wood. Or do you just outright release him? And to me, that seems like the most likely scenario if – Trey Lance outright won the competition and the 49ers were like, look, because there's even a locker room element to it. You know, if the, if the team sees that Trey Lance is the better player, you can't just roll with Jimmy Garoppolo because people are going to call your bullshit, not publicly, but they're going to be like, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand. You know, and, Would that happen? I don't know because Jimmy G is so well-liked and I don't see Jimmy G playing so bad that people are like, how could we be starting this guy? But just interesting scenarios. And obviously I think it's a little too early to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, We'll see if it's real, you know, if Trey Lance can keep up the pressure and continue to get better and Jimmy G kind of, and again, there's a chance because Jimmy's never looked like the best practice player. Um, There's a reality. I just, I'm just not sure. I think it's a little too early for that. So
2: It it goes back to what we talked about where how bad did the team bungle the situation if Lance beats out Jimmy G just knowing with his contract situation because that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, That would be a problem and a 49er problem is what is what how I would look at that.
1: Well, and I mean, and and at that point, then, then the best thing you can do is just cut bait because then you're like, well, they just saved $25 million. Got it. You know, like it's easy at that point, you know, like, is it, necessarily how they thought it was all gonna work out no but I mean nobody's gonna really you, you know even if you wish they would have been able to get something in some sort of a trade nobody's gonna balk at the idea that the 49ers just cleared up 25 million dollars in cap space and now they're rolling with their third overall pick like it's not necessarily something that's you know
2: I think that's a fair way to look at it, like a fair response to that because you know he is a future and yes uh, my biggest issue would be that twenty-five million could have been a very promising cornerback, and we have no issues, you know, with
1: uh, right who's yep.
2: opposite of Jason Garrett.
1: Right You're now. talking so, about like if they if they went and did that earlier in the off season,
2: right? And you, so they knowing taken, that you were yeah. going to move up for Lance because they were talking right. about it in January, so um, the ripple effect on the rest of your team building is is where I would have an issue. Yeah, it's
1: true. That's true. Um, so moving along. Some of the other just kind of rolling through. You know what? Before we get into this, because obviously the the Jimmy versus Lance is the bulk of the conversation, we're going to quick, I'm going to talk to you guys really quickly about Blue Wire Hustle. Okay. And for anybody that, you know, and and I hate myself for not knowing the name of this right now, but the name of their podcast, but Blue Wire just signed one of their first... People to make it all the way through the Blue Wire Hustle program. I'm going to look it up while I'm talking to you guys about this. Uh, was a 49ers podcast, and I can't remember the name of it. But it's so if you're listening to me talking about this, thinking that there's it's like not likely that you could get through, just know that one of the it's called the Talk Niners Podcast with Kobe Ransom and Niners Wire Sam. Um, They got all the way through the Blue Wire Wire Hustle program, and now they are producing 49ers podcasts for Blue Wire. So, you know, as much, I think when when we read these, you know, these pitches, a lot of people kind of just gloss over them. But if you're somebody that, you know, you love listening to us on Striking Gold, then what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? Especially knowing that there's a solid chance that you could be on the Blue Wire Network recording podcasts um blue wire hustle is your deal if that's something you're thinking about and and it's like real then check out blue wire hustle hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level or like i said if you're someone that wants to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start hustle's the perfect place for you Uh, as part of the program you're going to receive personal cover art q a's with blue wire's top podcasters access to the community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks that they've even introduced us to, and it's super useful stuff. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all the listening platforms. Best part is you can get all of it for 15 bucks a month, same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about the 49ers, then make your voice heard on Hustle acceptance into the program is limited get your application in today to apply you're going to go to bwhustle.com join check out the description box for this episode to find out more that's bwhustle.com join and again if you're a 49ers fan you want to take that podcast to the next level it's already happened within the 49ers world with uh talking niners so give it a check it out check it out give it a look whatever you want to whatever you want to call it but anyways moving on uh, I mean, there's a lot of randomness. Let's talk about before we get into the like the injuries and the people that aren't participating. Let's keep talking about what you saw on the field. Given what we've already seen from Brandon Ayuk, just no. Talk to me about Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. What do you think, man?
2: They're they're a difficult duo to stop. So I was critical of um, Ayuk just because. I would say Verrett got the best of him on Saturday. Um, I would say that he had some mental mistakes, some mental lapses, I guess is a better way to put it, just with drops during individual. um, You know, Verrett was able to break up a pass on him early, and then he had the interception late. But he's still getting open. Let's not not make any mistake. There's one play where he's running a crossing route, and the ball's behind him thrown from Lance. And I – stops, which is not easy to do when you're running in a certain direction and makes a catch, wheels back up, outruns everybody for a touchdown. Um, <laughs> like there aren't guys on the team who could do that. Debo is just, there's no, every time I, I see him, I think back to him running a four, four eight and just think like, what did he just wake up and not do anything before he ran that? Because he screams four threes. He's so fast. And He's running, again, like just RPO routes, just slants and breaking routes. Um, he can get to the edge on a jet sweep unlike most receivers. So, like, the way they complement each other, I think, is, is very important. And if they can just become consistent, whether it's beating press, beating man coverage, um, especially with that George Kittle guy. <laughs> they're going to have some, uh, they're going to be tough to stop, man. And they're, they're really good. And they're still really, really young too. So they're going to, they're going to have to be more consistent. Um, you know, Samuel's probably going to always have some, like a, an iffy drop here and there, but I, I really don't have much that's bad to say about the two. Um, just because I know that they're so young and I know that, you know, they're, they're there's always going to be room to grow, but goodness this like i'm just so impressed by the speed and they can get open early which matters to me and uh i remember trey lance hit debo on a florida route which i heard them talk about what would you guess a florida route is um well i would think about how you break it down yeah think about how you would break it down to your players because that's exactly what it is
1: I'm trying to think. I mean, I honestly don't know what the Florida route is. I'm just trying to think really quickly why it would be called that. Um, I mean, maybe like a. I mean, I'm just trying to like think of the shape of Florida <laughs> and the fact that it's kind of like an out or a or an in or a you Florida, know something like that. Five
2: yeah. step Florida out. It's like a speed out, right? Yep. Five okay. step out. Very simple. So, um, like, if you have off coverage, they check to that. Gets the ball in his hands. And now you have Debo outside one on one with a corner with a head of steam. Like, that's what you want. That's how you want to draw it up. And you can do that with condensed splits. So that's, I think, you know, just quick hitting routes to Debo like that is something where um, the 49ers can really do well. But there are a couple other guys who I think will will make it tough for, you know, I would say that they're going to get their fair shot. Their fair share of targets as well. So, Mom knew who he did have a drop, which he was being lauded for, uh, Mike McDaniel, for having the best type of catching technique, which is true because he shields, uses body, and he's like the only guy who um, fully extends his arms to catch the ball, which <laughs> shouldn't be um, an issue at the NFL. I think that's really I what gets Ayuk and Debo in trouble when it comes to catching the balls because they just let it into their body. Um, but Sanu, arms fully extended elbows in like everything you want and he he does look better than last year and, I, and I'm not gonna say he's like Julio Jones but he he just looks a little more shiftier the other guy actually is Trent Sherfield who is going to be a guy who I imagine you know he might have a game here and there where he has like four for 48 like that kind of performance um, every other every few games which is perfectly fine for a guy who is essentially making like next, so he looks like
1: forward. somebody that's making the roster do you
2: yes i i think that's the best way to put it like if you're going to come up with five to six receivers there's no way you can objectively watch and think trent Sherfield isn't one of them especially knowing that he has you know return value special team right. value but uh yeah he was open on a couple corner routes a couple out routes and you know whenever they threw him the ball whether it was and this these throws are coming from jimmy and trey so he's working with the ones and the twos he, I imagine, he's going to be a guy who makes this roster for sure. He's he's more consistent hands wise than Richie James. If you had to, if you had to guess right now, and obviously it's too
1: early for this, um, who do you think takes? Well, I mean, this could be an easier answer than I think it is. Who do you think fills the the Kendrick Bourne role?
2: It's Sanu. He's exclusively working with the first team. Um, he's like their slot. When he goes to – and even even when it's not, you know, 11 personnel, sometimes 21, 12, and Sanu will be in there, whether over, like, an Ayuk or – and, of course, that can just be for a run play. But um, it's going to be Sanu, I think, because of the trust factor. So that's a big deal. But Well, he's been there and done that. Yeah, yeah like he knows. And, and when you say know the offense, it's not just having played – Under Kyle Shanahan, it's like, you know, making side adjustments as a receiver. And I think Alex Mack is another big reason why. So they know what to look at on the defense, and that'll help them help the guy next to them. So that veteran leadership will go a long way. Well, when I first asked
1: the question, too, I was like, well, if everything goes – ideally, in an ideal world, Debo Samuel takes up most of the Kendrick Bourne production because – a lot of Kendrick Bourne's production last season, although he has been pretty consistent, was based on the fact that Debo Samuel was not out there. You know, he only started five games and he only played in seven. So you would you would hope that that the the bulk of Kendrick Bourne's production just gets split between like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and you get those and George Kittle, obviously, but just means you're getting the ball into the into the hands of your best players more often. No Jalen
2: Hurd on Saturday and yes on Friday he had a routine maintenance day. Did not hear anything from him uh, on Saturday. So
1: oh boy. Me, yeah, maybe the uh, the maintenance team got backed up and they they had to push <laughs> push the Jalen Hurd to the next day. We've all you've all taken your cars in to get fixed and you expect to get a call by the end of the day to come pick it up. They're like, hey, we didn't get to it. First thing tomorrow morning, maybe that's what happened to Jalen Hurd. He just had to get that was what happened to him today. If he's not out there on Monday,
2: Kyle Shannon is going to have some answering to do. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, because if you're not going to come out and say that a player has an injury and, you know, and the reason they're not out there is because maintenance day, but then they're not out there the next day, then obviously the maintenance day was, was maybe not some – maybe the main, they were trying a lot harder to maintain something a little more serious than we thought. But I get the idea of, of easing Jalen Hurd in. That's fine. Uh, but it's it just kind of makes me reel back just a little bit because now it's two days and you wonder, is it more than just maintenance and is, is the Jalen Hurd story just rolling along exactly how it has been. And you know, the big chance, the big shot that we were just talking about that he could have yesterday, or excuse me, our last pod all of a sudden seems a, a little more silly. So we'll see, but What about the – I mean, we haven't talked much about the defense. I know you've only got to see them in person one day. Uh, Did anything stand out to you about them?
2: They are fast. I will say that. So, no Bosa, Ford, Kinlaw during team drills. So, the offensive line, you know, they didn't really have a threat. Obviously, Samson Ebucom is a work in progress. And, you know, Eric Armstead's probably not going to shine in this situation anyway. But – uh, there there's plenty of time for the quarterbacks to throw the ball, but I would say the defensive backs. Uh, just talking about the receivers, there was a, a period where probably two to three minutes, maybe even four minutes, where nobody like Jimmy and Trey just had to run because nobody was getting open. And I would say the safeties are a big reason to do a big reason for that. Uh, I want to go as far to say that Jimmy Ward is the best skill player on the team um he is really good like really good he during one-on-ones he went like he limited the receivers over five And i know it's one-on-ones but you've seen one-on-ones it's literally designed for the offense to win in every scenario whether it's between the linemen and the d linemen or the receivers and the dbs but uh, he had one play where he's just like jamming debo who is bigger and stronger than him and debo doesn't get off the line I forgot who the, the other receiver was, but it was just like a, a pivot return route. And was just like in his hip waiting, almost waiting for him to run the route. Uh, it, it's really impressive just how he moves. Obviously, Verrett was really impressive. He had a couple pass breakups. He had an interception. Um, you don't see much uh, from the other side. The, the drop off after them is pretty steep, I would say. Tavon Wilson is playing for Tart. Um the young guys, uh, Ambry, the Ambry Thomas was getting burned a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. So that was definitely an issue. Um, and it was it's tough though because it's on RPOs, so there's no second level threat to to be in the throwing window. So it's just kind of him, the entire field, and like a a 12, 15 yard you know crossing route. So good luck. Uh, no <laughs> no, Dre Greenlaw on Saturday. So that meant Demetrius flanagan and Foles uh, and Aziz Alshire are the linebackers.
1: in oh. Law had a blister on his blister. Correct. <laughs>
2: Forgot. Um, somebody said uh, Ronnie Law would have just chopped it off in play. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, de- definitely during is. training camp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, the de- I mean the defense—they're going to be—they are going to be more aggressive. We are seeing you know a little more man. We're seeing more blitzing. Uh, they're walking up Fred Warner into you know as a pass rusher and they're walking up him and whoever the other linebacker is you know mugging him up in the a gap Uh,
1: fred warner blitzing and having a head of steam towards an offensive lineman is would not be an easy thing to deal with like whether or not he has develops kind of some legit pass rush moves which he could uh, you know read nick bosa's book probably all he wanted but like that's that's kind of a scary thought. He's such a big ass dude, man. Like he is. He, it's hard to describe Fred Warner like in a way that makes sense. Like he just looks big. Like I know 6'3" is not necessarily huge on a football field, but he's like 6'3" and completely filled out. So it's like it just looks like somebody that would be really really difficult to stop if he had a
2: full head of steam on like a, on like a blitz from really anywhere. So I think aside from his athleticism, like he just kind of – it's like a running back, you know, where they're they're patient, they let, you know, all the trash clear, and then they just pop out of the hole. That's what it's like for Warner, but blitzing, where he just waits for the right crease, and then he shoots through that gap. And he did that for a sack. Um, we obviously talked about his interception. The, so, honestly, the most impressive play that Warner had, it was a draw and perfectly blocked. There was nobody – like all the defense rushes up the field. And it's him, it's Warner, and pretty much like three guys and nobody else. Warner ends up beating his guy, runs around another guy, tackles Sermon for like a gain of three. And it should have been like a 23-yard play. So those are the things that Warner brings to the table. Uh, there's another one where no target, but, you know, he's running with Sanu, carrying him up the seam, where you just don't see linebackers doing that. But you you have to give credit to um, Al Shahir. You also have to give credit to uh, – there was a – Elijah Sullivan is another name that stood up, that stood out. Um, just looking at my notes here, but who's
1: the uh, who's the linebacker from Stanford that they brought in as an undrafted free agent? I thought I was reading a little bit about him. Sullivan uh-huh. is
2: um, Ohio State, I believe. I don't know. I don't
1: remember. Hold on, I got it. Hold on. No, it's not Elijah Sullivan. Justin Hilliard. Okay. Justin Hilliard. I don't know if he's if he, what kind of shot he's getting because um, Sullivan is Kansas State. Oh, okay. There we go. Um, which is not a slight whatsoever, obviously. But um, no, it's just it's just interesting, you know. I obviously the fact that a um, Marshall Harris I mean,
2: working with the twos at linebacker. Yeah, didn't he switch position? Yep, yeah. at linebacker. So he's playing will uh, with the twos, and he's just much more comfortable closer to the line of scrimmage, as you can expect. He can just which kind is kind of kinda interesting
1: in because that goes towards what we were talking about a little earlier in the off season when we were saying, look, if you had a choice. Would you give? Would you want to do like a you know three linebackers or like five defensive backs? And and we were both leaning towards defensive backs, just you know whether it's a strong safety or somebody like that. So it's interesting that they kind of went that way with Marcel Harris um, because it's just a nice little hybrid. Hybrid, an athlete. You know, are there guys that will be better at that? We'll see. But it, it it'll be cool to see how much they actually use that. Or go that route because to me it kind of just seems like where the NFL is trending. You know, you absolutely more towards athleticism over brute strength to a, to an extent. I mean, you can't be a uh, you know a liability and and against run, but that's it's just an interesting
2: little thing. Also, we'll see if it develops into anything more. D'Amico Ryan's actually talked about that where you know at the second level these linebackers, there's the days of being two fifty and a thumper. Like it's long, go- long gone. You have to be able to run side to side, sideline to sideline. So that that probably went into the thought process of moving Harris, uh, moving Harris down. Haven't seen much from Tony Jefferson. First of all, he's wearing a hideous number forty-one, um, <laughs> and it, he's working with the threes too. Like he, some twos, but he, I, I've seen him out there with the threes. So maybe they're just kind of slow rolling him. But it's Tavon Wilson who's who's working in, in place of Tard, and I actually. I'm just I I like to watch, you know, how they how they interact with each other on on the sideline. And and Wilson's talking to Ayuk when he does something. He's talking to the receivers, tight ends, trying to get in their minds. So I like that. That's that's different for sure.
1: Like uh, like trying to find out what what like giving them sharing information with them
2: or asking them what they did. Almost like he's critiquing and coaching. Like, hey, you could have done this, you could have done that. So, yeah, he's like a mini coach. Um, I think think
1: that might be one of the – what's the way to say this? I think NFL veterans over time, especially if they've had the luxury of kind of like job security, I think a lot of players in the NFL, and rightfully so, spend a lot of time just worrying about their own spot on the roster, making the team, you know, becoming a starter. And obviously that's – Rightfully so. But I feel like the very next quality that great NFL players pick up is coaching your teammates. Because they probably, especially if you're a veteran, you've been on one, uh, you know, whether it's the same team, you've been on really successful teams, I would be willing to bet that one of the elements that they find that's constant throughout successful teams is coaches on the field and not just, you know, and, and coaching up your teammates whether it's learning from them, offering information, it's probably just something that's that's a mainstay on all great teams. Like, there are probably no great teams that don't have veterans willing to move over to the other side of the ball and share from You know what I mean? It just, yeah. it just seems like teammate. something
2: veteran players always do, period. It seems – so he hasn't been here for long at all. And for him to be able to do that, like, it just has to come naturally. It has to be so easy for them to do. Um you wonder who else is doing that besides Wilson, because yeah, he's been around for a while, but it's it's cool to notice those type of things. It is.
1: It just seems like to me, some, it's like all veteran players act like that, you know, like because they've just, they know the value of, of sharing their information. Like how often have you seen Trent? And I mean, Nick Bosa shows up as a rookie and him and Joe Staley are immediately just going back and forth yeah and, Joe Staley is learning something from a rookie, and to me, like I said, successful veterans—they—they they probably are the first people, or the, the people that most commonly realize how much can be gained from just completely coaching up every and every moment that you can. If you ever have any information, share it because that's how teams become great. They end up playing for each other. You know, it's just kind of one of those things that that you love to see. And and uh, he's been in the NFL for ten years. So you know that guy probably has a ton of information to share. Whether or not he's been like, you don't just, you don't just get to you know Tavon Wilson. Whether or not he was, I don't know. However great he ever was, but you don't just get to spend ten years in the NFL. Like, great point. You you have to be a good player. And the fact that he's just immediately steps into an organization is like, and and is automatically at that point. It just shows you that that's just one of the things that comes with a, a veteran player that. It's really invaluable. And obviously, we got to see that firsthand with Sherman. It's just like, man, like he how may not be the best drafted. at his position anymore, but how yeah. do you put a value on somebody that does that?
2: He was with the Patriots like his whole rookie contract, and he was a second rounder. And obviously, he didn't, you know, it didn't work out great with the Patriots, but just having that Bill Belichick background, you know, why not bring in, bring in another guy with that type of mindset?
1: Right and yeah, they just gave me a chance to, to rant about good teammates but anyways so one thing we got to talk about before we before we cut loose um is little little my, my buddy raheem mostert was not feeling the conversations about his knee um because uh, he Was held out Or wasn't held out of practice Kind of towards the beginning of training camp Had limited reps He was kind of doing a 50-50 split with Trey Sermon If not Sermon getting more of the reps Raheem had a knee brace on And maybe this was um, reporters on the ground Kind of assuming that meant He was nursing a knee injury But Raheem And this is word for word Got on Twitter This was two days ago What's today? Today's Saturday So this is Friday, uh, Thursday, just trying to make sure. <laughs> I no. love
2: just you talking through
1: that. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, we're like you could like literally picture me thinking and looking up towards the ceiling through the <laughs> yes, microphone. Like, yes. hey, we're just talking ball here. But all right, Raheem in his infinite wisdom said, I'm going to dress this one time and one time only. I am not injured. And to the media trying to make something out of nothing, I won't allow it. I wear a knee brace in practice for prevention and for my longevity in this league. I had this brace made years ago and wore it in other training camp practices. Why is it a focus? Now I won't allow me to put into your put me into your hole of being old, washed up, and injured. I'm just getting started. That's pretty uh I mean that's <laughs> I mean it's bold not bold. Bold implies some type of like risk. It's like pretty straightforward.
2: So let let's add the context here. So the reporter asked Mostert, "Hey, why do you practice with a brace on and you don't play with a brace on?" It felt pretty innocuous. I didn't think he was trying to get at something, but perhaps you know, one of the somebody mentioned that to Mostert, or you know, he thought about it after the fact and like, is he trying to insinuate that I'm hurt? Because Shanahan did say, you know, we're kind of slow rolling Mostert in there. He he's been splitting the carries with. Uh, Trey Sermon early on, but he ne- he never does that. Like he's very um, and you know him far better than I do. But just based on what I've seen from him, uh, he he's more reserved. Um, just I mean, just a good human. Obviously, easy to root for, but not not really somebody to speak out in that manner. So I- that had to catch you off guard knowing him.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it doesn't. It doesn't. Okay, because. I don't know if I've told this story on the pod before. I think I have once. Um, when Raheem Moser first recorded or first requested his trade after they were trying to work through the contract stuff, couldn't get it done. He requested a trade, which ended up being, you know, as far as the result goes, the right move because it spurred action. Power. They got it done. Um, and and I think he was going into a season where he had zero guarantees. And obviously he'd gotten to a point where he was the, the, the guy in the backfield. And, I was a little critical of him in the fact that not not that he, he shouldn't obviously get that contract. You all know how I feel about contracts. Um, I just thought, like, man, like, it's playing with fire because when you request a trade, you know, where are you going to go? Is it going to allow you to showcase your skills as well as Shanahan's offense? I just – and being, you know, what I would consider a friend with Raheem, played countless hours at Xbox with him, I didn't want to just be like, I'm 100% behind Raheem and whatever he wants. Like, and that is true. But I just wanted to give both sides of the coin. So I, I was like, yes, you know, obviously he needs to get paid. He needs to take care of his family. He's a family man. He needs to do whatever he needs to do to get that contract and don't hold back. But at the same time, I flipped the coin and I said, look, you're talking about wanting to leave what might be one of the, you know, a top three, top five destination for running backs as far as you know, what you can do in that offense. So I was just kind of presenting the, the other side and probably the podcast published that morning, just a little later that evening, I got a call from Raheem. And the first thing he says on the phone is, you know what, Rob, you aren't shit. And I was like, I was like, what did I do? And he's like, he's like, I listened to that podcast. And I was like, I just, we both started laughing and it was a very lighthearted conversation. We ended up talking for quite a while and he just like told me where his head was at and where his heart's at and. And it was a great thing, but so while I do say that Raheem's a very, very kind person, I'm not gonna say that he will take anything that he considers to be bullshit because he straight up called me up I and and walked through with me all the things that he, you know, the reasons he was in that position at that point. And it was I mean, it was awesome, dude. Talk about a humble and, and awesome person, you know, just the fact that he felt like he wanted to call me and talk talk through that whole thing was just fucking it was cool, man. And it just shows you. How genuine he is, and how
2: important this all is to him. You know, so, like, y- what you just said. People pretend like these guys ignore social media, or they they're and not just social media, but whether it's podcasts, whether it's articles, whatever it may be. Um, no, that's not true. <laughs> In the locker room, they're like they get on Twitter right away. They, people want to know what you are saying about them, and that's hard for people to understand but you don't have thousands of thousands of people talking about you. So, of course, you're not going to understand. Of course, you're going to say, just block it out when nobody talks about you. So um, I honestly don't have any problem with players lashing out. (laughs) I have no problem at all. And obviously, he knows you. You guys have a relationship. But um, if if these guys feel like they're being mistreated and you want to call, whether it's a reporter, whether it's a fan out, do it, man. Like (laughs) freedom of speech. I have no problem with that at all.
1: No, I mean, if, if you get to, to talk about players without, you know, you get unlimited, uh, you know, access to talk publicly about these players, I don't also don't have any problem at all if a player using his platform to talk about you. Like, right. it, it can go both ways. And obviously there's probably a lot of different reasons why a team and a player would want to avoid that type of thing because it's it's, it's get, it gets close to almost like a no-win situation. But sometimes it isn't, and, and sometimes it's very necessary, you know. So it, it really does go both ways, and I, I also have zero problem with, with a player just saying what he feels like needs to be said. I mean, these are people, and I think we lose sight of that a lot of the time.
2: Just yeah, these are people. That's a really good way to put
1: it. It's weird that you have to say that. <laughs> but... Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else we need to talk about, uh, tight end Jordan Matthews, uh, yet to make his splash. back again, <laughs> I know, man, I think this is legitimately about the fifth or sixth time he's been resigned with the team, maybe more, but it's different since he's playing a new,
2: new position, right?
1: Right. Of course. Yes. Yes, of course. I'm sorry. Um, trying to, I'm just looking through everything. Is there anything we haven't touched on? I mean, I think that's pretty good. We've, we've talked longer than I thought we were going to have to talk. Um, Tomorrow so today's Saturday. Sunday is a day off. Monday is is another unpadded practice, and then they put all the pads, correct?
2: Right, right. Kyle Shannon misspoke. He said five practices and he was thinking five days. Not a big counter, Kyle Shannon. Um so yeah, it's Tuesday.
1: Listening to him talk shit about his son as the ball boy was so <laughs> funny. He said he has his
2: mom's hands. Yeah, man, he said he said you're
1: your mother's child. That's so funny. And he um but yeah, Kyle Shanahan's son is is acting as the ball boy, and Kyle Shanahan was kind of ribbing him a little bit uh, during a press conference about having bad hands. But <laughs> that's so nothing; uh, a few hundred routes won't fix.
2: Yeah, he's uh, right. He's gonna like he can do whatever he wants. I imagine he's already doing it right now. But uh, so he's playing. He's lining up his running back sometimes um, in like drills before they really get going. So it's uh, it's cool to see that aspect where. Um, there's still some lightheartedness going on. And obviously, you know, these guys are talking trash to each other. Uh, the competition is good between guys like Ayuk and Barrett because they're talking to each other after each play. And and not in like a demeaning bad way at all. Like they're literally just talking. So you can tell there's a camaraderie, and that's probably the better way to put it.
1: Right, right. Um, so Monday, another non-padded practice, unless – uh, unless you have any plans or reservations, maybe we could plan on jumping back on here on Tuesday to to talk after the first padded
2: practice. Let's do it,
1: okay? And then maybe I don't know how many practices are there after that first. Do they do three days of padded practice?
2: So it'll go two. Yep. Uh, no, sorry. Tuesday, Wednesday, break, Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
1: Okay. Yeah. Then maybe we. We'll, yeah. Maybe we'll talk Tuesday and Thursday or something like that. Just try to get two in just to, to capitalize on the excitement of training camp. But, yeah, man, I mean, have they been doing uh, one-on-ones?
2: Today was the first day they did one-on-ones, and that's where Jimmy Ward showed out. Um, that's Jimmy where, Ward is so good. Yeah, yeah. He's that's so good. The best and
1: it, it makes me happy to say that because the guy didn't get off to the best start of his career. He was asked to play, like, three different positions in three years, and one of his first – he, he, in the 49ers homecoming, first game at Levi's, he was Dom. He was, was it the first game at Levi's? Yes. And Brandon Marshall just, he, he got tasked with Brandon Marshall and near Brandon Marshall's prime. Good luck. So, you know, like he, he got off to a rough start, but now he's just legit one of the best players uh, at his position. I mean, at least he's up there. He's, he's, He's a, he's a very, very good football player, and he's a, he's a super cool dude. So, it's just been cool to see him kind of bring just it around, you know.
2: During one-on-ones, um, Brent who just ran by, like, Barrett. And I forgot. I think it was Ken Webster was the other guy. But, like, easy speed. But he dropped both of them on nine routes. Uh, where it's just that's where the mental lapses are. Probably the best route came where – and we can't, you know – videotape any of these which is yeah that's probably my fault um so (laughs) it it, it really is uh thanks for ruining it for the rest of our lives um what's austin watkins made jason brett fall on a slant yeah i haven't heard his name at all it was a nice little release where he kind of you know walks him a walk release is what i call it he walks him outside gives him head fake cuts back inside and that right after that is when brett was like oh my legs are so heavy but he, he, had a, he had a really good, uh, really good reps. And he had some good reps, but they're nice mainly all um, underneath. Speaking of one on ones, and just we haven't, we didn't really talk about the offensive line, just because they don't have pads on. But no, yeah, um, it's. I don't think it's going to be easy for Aaron Banks to beat out Daniel Brunskill. Like Daniel Brunskill is not a bad player, and like he doesn't, he's not making mistakes. And obviously, that could change when they put the pads on once they go against other teams. But I think we're premature to assume that Banks is just going to unseat Brunskill because he hasn't got a single rep with the first team through four uh, through four practices.
1: Yeah, I I don't assume that that's going to be something that's handed to him either. I mean, Brunskill was there, experience, and like, what's the what's the bit like? You know, the experience and the gel that that offensive line will have together. You know, Brunskill spent last season playing next to Mike McGlinchey, And that's tough to overcome. You know, you have to be clearly the better player to just for, for a team to dismiss the experience uh, that Brunskill's gonna have. And and that still could very well happen, but it's not easy. You know, somebody who has has, has spent plenty of time in the league, and, and whether it's they were an undrafted guy from the what was it, what was the name of that football league? The AAF. AAF. Yeah. Whether or not you're so – whether you know, you're from you the AAF up. or not, man, once you get in the league and you prove that you belong in the league, you don't just get dismissed, you know. So it'll be interesting to see that that competition because that one seems like of all the roster competitions for a starting spot, and I'm trying to think of them, there's not that many, that might be
2: the most intense. It definitely – probably the biggest one outside of the obvious quarterback. Right. But, yeah, you want, you want your right guard to be important. Yeah. So, and, and,
1: and again, that's a good problem to have because I guarantee you they're probably, they're both solid. You know, you're not talking about two bad guys, two shitty players competing for the job. And the rest of that offensive line looks like it's just going to be very good. So, a little bit of competition at a single spot isn't going to hurt anybody. Competition is uh, great. Yep. 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 But, Anyways, I think that's it, man. You got any uh, last words? Anything we didn't talk about from your training camp experience on day one?
2: No, man. It was it was just good to see, uh, just them compete. It was good to see good players play well, and it was good to see you know just see the quarterbacks go through a little adversity and how they handle it. So, um, yeah, yeah it's it's
1: it's important. It, and it was important to me too when I was there to never forget that you're getting to watch the absolute best football players in the world right in front of you. You know right. what I mean? Like practice against each other and you're like, damn, man, this is good football. <laughs> it's just, it's cool to do, man. It's cool to see. Um, Anyways, I think that's it. I think it's done. Plan on uh, me and KP being back on here early next week. uh Monday, I mean, Tuesday, unless something comes up Monday and then we got to jump on to talk about, but plan on hearing from us Tuesday. That'd be Wednesday for you. Um, and then maybe we'll jump back here on Thursday and then that would mean Friday for you guys. So a couple of training camp episodes coming up next week. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to Strike and gold. Make sure you're following KP underscore show on Twitter. Make sure you're checking in the Niners nation looking for his coverage because he's, he's there and he's detailing it all. So make sure you guys support that. Um, make sure that you follow him on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter and make sure you're rating and subscribing and all that good stuff you're supposed to do for to support a podcast appreciate it appreciate you guys sticking through it all obviously wouldn't be here without you guys so hey that's kp i'm rob for another striking gold episode we are signing out